Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Alright, so we start talking now that I've hit record. Cool. Alright. I've had three shows off. We've got to remember how to do this stuff. We are back. We've missed two shows. We apologize for that. We're both amped, ready to go. Um, it's been a long week. It has been a very long week. It's <laughs> This is our round five wrap show. Yes, we've missed the round four wrap. Yes, we missed the round five preview. And I said earlier, apologize for that. It's just been chaotic for both of us. Um, so... If you're new to the 6CN podcast, welcome in. Everything's brand new for you, so good on you. If you've been a follower and listener of the show and you're happy to hear our voices again, apart from something being wrong with you, um, thanks for sticking with us. And you really like a routine, don't you? If you really get into your routine after a couple of episodes, you really struggle if you have any time off. Me? 100%. Yeah. I'm just rambling now, <laughs> eh? I'm Adam. Manly yeah, fan. Go the Eagles. He's a, he's a Newcastle fan. So we actually took yeah. on each other this week, which was awesome. We didn't even get to talk yeah, about which, that. We usually spend a fair amount of time every week, but then I'm glad we didn't because Newcastle got smoked. That's true. So as you'll see in the write-up to this one, this is episode 170-something. And out of the previous ones, I've missed one show, um, had a night off for something. And then within a week, I've missed two, and it's just felt like a month. And I was on holiday for a week with the family. So Jared and Wall stepped in for one of the shows and then, oh, I just, Jared's been in and out of hospital with his little girl. My little girl's in hospital tonight. Um, it's just been a whole bunch of other different things going on as well. And we're just hoping that from now on, we're back on track and Lots of things to talk about. We've got streakers, we've got pitch invaders, we've got flares, we've got further inconsistencies in refereeing who knew, and we've got some huge results in the of comp. Professional divers, yeah, 100%. Um, and I think Jared Jared's very, uh, is, has a very strong opinion on this with regards to the players' um, involvement and... What's what their influence of where the game's at at the moment? And I tend to fall on his side of the argument for once, I think. Um, we'll talk about that when we get into it. But we do first have to get everyone up to speed with our footy tipping comp, sponsored by Hop Nation Brewing Co. And it's been a couple of weeks since we've looked at the ladder, I believe. We, I have the comp open now and round five which if we'd done a round five preview show, we would have mentioned was the first of three Joker rounds. So we're double points. So first of all, well done to the four people who got full rounds in the Joker round, which gave them 17 points. So eight and eight being 16 plus they the one bonus point. hundred percent. That's Toby it, Hunt, Reggie Sidestep. Oh, I get my dad on here. Jeez, Reggie Sidestep, two full rounds <laughs> in a row which is um, put him up in the second spot. Uh, dollar Mac a dollar or Smack a dollars, full round, and Ronco's 41, which is uh, Benny Taylor. And he sent in a voice message. 
sorry, Roundcos. I just had to listen to it again there. I tried to download it and upload it, but because um, it was through Facebook Messenger, it didn't work. Hey, you got a full round two and sent me a message saying, I'm catching you, Adam. And you are not. You're actually in front of me. So, damn it. Four people got full rounds. Uh, if we go back to round four, three people got full rounds. Uh, Reggie Sidestep, Shaka Polyp. Wait. I think that's meant to be Shaka Polyp. What's it? What's a when the whole world like collapses? Apocalypse. Um, Shark Apocalypse. That's what I'm trying to say. And oh, Von and Von Puss Puss. Who's Von Puss Puss? I don't know. I love it. There's some awesome <laughs> names in here this year. Um, the comp's up to 40 people, uh, which is awesome. So after round five, if we look at the total score, and there has been some changes um, since I last looked at this one with the last uh, episode we have done. So we have Toby Hunt on top on 43 points, three points clear already of Reggie Sidestep on 40. And then there are a group of one, two, three, four, five at 37, Timbo 21, Smacker Dollars, 5-8, Shark Apocalypse and Roundco's 41 um, with another three at 36. And the spread from first to last is 23 points. Um, which is crazy. So Toby Hunt on a streak. So, so far, seven out of eight, six out of eight, six, seven, and eight. Uh, we have a serious tipster on our hands here. Can, can Whoever is Von Puss Puss, can you please message in and explain where the name comes from? Because that is, that is fantastic. That is brilliant. And oh, that's a pretty good time to jump into. If you go onto your <laughs> app store... Or Play Store and download Anchor, A N C H O R. That's the podcast platform we record through. If you have that on your device, you can send in a voice message way easier. You just literally click it and say whatever the hell you want to say, and we'll get it on our website and we can play it straight on the show and respond to it. So whether it's a question, a statement, an agreement, a disagreement, whatever. On Von Puspus. Yeah, the origin of the name. Anything like that would be brilliant. Um, on the street comp, it is up to 15 players now. So this is one where you um, select as many matches as you believe are definite to win and you put them in the street comp and your streak is alive until you get one wrong. So underscore R3 underscore is currently at 13 selections in a row and four out of round five, Dish Sharks is on 11, Ben Liner's on 10, Ronco's 41's on nine. Um, it's awesome. There's This is the most I've seen with regards to streaks being alive. Um, I'm there at seventh in seventh with eight, and Jared's is still sitting there from round one. So your streak is still alive, Jared. Uh, you can okay. go in there. So... Yeah, that gets us all up to speed. So remember, Footy Timmy Comp sponsored by Hop Nation, uh, prize pack at the end of the season. Um, very much want to win that for myself, but I guess we'll give it away if somebody beats us. And it's looking as though a lot of you will. So, okay, let's jump into the uh, news of the week. So let's start with streakers and pitch invaders. <gasps> How good was the shot at the Titans game? 
Um, yeah. Let's hope that security guard does not get fired, as some reports are stating, because he did the exact same thing we'd expect streakers. Sorry, we'd expect security guards to do to streakers at any other sporting event. Um, some people are just talking about whether it's male or female should be treated differently. No, you're invading a pitch. You're putting the players' um, safety at risk. You should get treated the same regardless of who you are. Yeah, that's right. It was. I I, I don't understand what the go is with pitching pitches pitching batters. I thought because in the Tigers game, they went on there with a with a flare. You know, I, I thought he was protesting something. He was war on Russia. War, no, war not the war Russia. on Russia. Bad, no, how bad Tigers were. Um, oh, it could have been that, but no, it was for an organization. Called oh, really? Fire. Serious. Yeah, it's called Fireproof Australia, and right. it's relating to the housing of flood and fire impacted victims um, that aren't being met. So, and the organisation has also reportedly promised further protest action if their demands are not met. So basically, oh. it's looking at people who have been victims of floods and fires not getting the support with regards to rehousing. Right. Okay. That's why you had a flare and um, a red tape on. Yeah, I, I was wondering what the flair was. I, I, look, I understand he's trying to think for his but that is dangerous, bringing a flare onto the field. Yeah. It's, it's very dangerous. Um, and then the other bloke on the other end, he decided to have a quick run. <laughs> yeah, it was just, what did Blandy say? Just, you can protest, but protest without possibly hurting someone. What are they going to bring next? Molotov cocktails, which he's, well, like, I reckon he's only half joking about. Well, see, the thing about... Well, I think he's genuinely concerned about that. But the yeah. thing about it is that I watched that game. Old mate was just wearing an orange shirt and a cape, as Adam said, and put a flare onto the field. He wasn't actually... There was no actual visible thing that what he was protesting. Adam just told me this then. Yeah, I didn't know. So, I, I only got this yeah. from the report. Yeah, so there wasn't actually any... like If at the time... He actually saw something visible as to what he was protesting. I was like, we, we saw like, a flare visible. That could have been literally. Yeah, but the flare didn't actually read out what the fuck he was saying. It just put a whole smoke up players and, you know, lit something that's flammable in the middle of the field. Um, that's what a flare does. It doesn't just, actually show. How do you get that into the ground? Oh, look, it wouldn't be hard. Like, people True, who get actually, life bans from football games, anyone who. All right. Best example, last was it last year or the year before when me and Adam went out to watch um, Melbourne versus Canberra. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Melbourne versus Canberra at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, what happened was the ticket tech thing broke and everyone was just walking in. They opened the door. Oh, yeah, there was no security checks, there nothing. was no nothing. Like, we, we 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 actually said on the way in, are we even going to get a seat here? Because every every Tom, Dick, Dick Harry, Harriet, fucking. Cokehead was walking in the walking in the stadium. Jeez, that that, they, that escalated quickly. There, there, there was no security at all. And when you actually walk through a stadium, if you don't have a bag, hmm. there is no checks. Sorry. Like we like if you there's two there's eight lanes on a gate, four of them for bags, four of them for quick through, and you just go through them. If you have something that doesn't get picked up on the detectors when you walk past them, it's not going to get picked up. 
And all this guy is going to get have is... more security than our rugby league games. Yes. There you go. Look at that. Some culture shock and, and knowledge there from Jared. Well done. Eight-year-olds um, have more. I get more checks for guns in America. Uh, Flanders was pretty much on the front foot saying, yes, we will be talking to the government and the penalties in place aren't harsh enough as it is. It's a $5,500 fine, which most people who invade pitches, he was saying, brag about not paying it anyway because they have no assets and no one's going to chase them for the money. Um, I wonder if um, old mate is going to pay this five and a half thousand dollars probably the flood. I wonder if he's going to pay that, and I wonder if he fought the money that he that five and a half grand could have gone to help the people with the floods. No, yeah, could have. He could have actually probably hired a plane to fly a message over the top of the stadium for less. What, like South African World Cup in nineteen ninety six? And I yes. don't think fl- flying a plane. That's rugby union, by the way. Yeah. I don't think flying a plane this day and age is close to a stadium like that. <laughs> you know what? They probably don't have security to stop people bringing knives in, but they probably have anti-aircraft guns at the top of the stadium. Yeah, stuff like that. Brand, or not a brand new stadium anyway. An updated stadium. Peter Volandis is always on the lookout up there. He's the, one, he's the one. He's the one in there. It's all right. Well, already. <laughs> Got a big cigar. Oh, man. i tell you what, he'll be keeping an eye on uh, games next week, as will Graham Annesley, after literally the week before coming out and saying players will not be allowed to purposely give away a penalty in order to challenge something that happened to play before. You will get sin-binned. And literally the week after that, there were five instances. And the two that most people saw uh, were in the Gold Coast Titans game. So if you didn't watch these, what players... Uh, we're doing that's now being picked up was if they believe a call was missed during a game but it was play on they would give away a penalty um, at the end of that play on purpose and then when the referee blows a penalty they would challenge what had occurred leading up to the penalty uh, leading up to the penalty um, the referees were allowing the players to go was allowing the challenge saying you'll be sin-binned if your challenge isn't successful. This flies in the face of what happened in the Broncos game last week, so round four, where Jake Turpin was sin-binned for giving away a penalty on purpose in order to challenge something else. Now, I guess the funny thing about all of this is in the actual NRL rules with regards to the captain's challenge, it specifically states you are not allowed to do that. Um, the challenge is only permissible in instances where the referee makes a decision that results in the match recommencing with a structured restart. Now, if a referee blows a penalty, that is a structured restart. You can challenge that penalty. You can't challenge anything else previous to that. It's literally in the rule book. So this has been something where there's been a misunderstanding from the NRL to the referees, um, and how they listen. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Carry out the rules on the field. Clint Gutherson came out and said he's confused and it's not being consistent oh, because last hey. week, yeah, he, he literally said, well, it made sense because they were in the um, a game where it had occurred saying, no, you're not allowed to challenge that. And then they were literally in the game where it happened twice against them. 
um, yeah, and saying, you are allowed to. And he's you're going, well... Old Guffo did it twice last year. Yeah. I remember. And I think he's confused about what you can and can't do because the Titans oh. scored off both sets where their challenge was successful despite giving away a penalty. The poor man's Cameron Munster, old Guffo. Ooh, here we go for the hate mail. Brilliant. Oh, Love, he, bring it he, in. He's not. He, he is the shit version of Cameron Munster, that bloke. Different position, dude. Not, not when they started. No, true. Um, hey, Gutherson, when he started, was a centre as well. So, there you go. Actually, no, it was a bench player. Bench player for Manly. Um, this is going to be hilarious to see what happens next week. Because... Look, it, I, I can't really spend too much time with it because I don't think the captain challenge should be in here anyway. Yeah, me neither. So, and I think... How many times have we said it on this podcast that no matter what rule comes in, Coaches and players are going to find a way to fuck it up. So here we are. Like yeah, every yeah. rule that NRL bring in, they they find a way Ooh. to manipulate it, and then it happens a few times in the games, and then the media gets on top of it, and then they ask him in the press conferences. That blows. That that puts adds fire, uh, oil to petrol to the fire. That's the word. And then because it adds petrol to the fire, the players are saying about it, and then they'll say the magic lines. We will be calling the NRL for an explanation on this tomorrow. And then what happens then is the NRL also force Graham Asley comes out and does his weekly review of the games mm. and the referees and stuff like that. He's forced to say something. So the media are like jizzing their pants for about three days after and about, you know, until the next time it happens. So welcome to the NRL, guys. This is what happens every single time there's a new rule book brought in. Yeah, I wonder if that's um, the letters that Lenny's uh, referring to with regards to all the changes that he's made to the game, improving it. Who the hell writes letters, especially to the NRL? Um, talking about rule changes, Gus Gould tweeted out about how ridiculous the seven tackle rule is coming out from your own end when there's that's a mistake the in there. I was like, oh, I was going to say, that's one of the ones that we've talked about being an issue for like years. It, no, I like the six. I like the six, six again rule. I'm, I'm sorry, the seven seven tackle set for kicking. I, 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 no, no, no. I, what he was saying is, why, if you make a mistake in scoring, why are you then penalised for trying to score a try? That's what we've been saying. That that's what I've been yeah, saying for no, like two I, years. I, I, I like the kicking. Yeah, feckle, feckle. I, I, I was just thinking the kicking dead. No. See, that's yeah. the reason why it was put in. It was literally yeah, put Billy in Slater. for Billy Slater. That, that was it. And it's just expanded into if you catch a bomb in the in goal, if you knock on in the in goal, if you blah, blah, blah. And, and the feedback on it was pretty much 100%. Like, the point is trying to score a try. That's what you want your team to do. And if you're penalised for trying to score a try. And then the other thing with kicking a field goal, you missed by, like, five centimetres while trying to score a point, you're then penalised for seven tackles. It's a big ridiculous. deal goal point, eh? I think the easy way, someone said if you kick it dead from outside 40, and I was like, well, I think that's kind of going back too far. No. To the I just think kicking it dead from outside 20 metres. No, kicking it dead wherever. Kicking it dead grubbers. Because you grubber, like the grubber is a specialist art. If you can get that ball to stop, 
Yeah. Pretty sure it's feel good. My, actually, no, my old coach used to tell me that you don't actually aim for the try line. You aim no, for, you sorry, for the dead ball. No, you aim for the try line. Sorry, you don't aim for the dead ball. You aim for the try line because if you cook it a little bit more than it should be, you know, you put some more heat into it, it's still going to stay in the try line. You know, yeah. I... So, so it, it, it actually amazes me about how many halfbacks in the NRL still overcook like, over that grubber by a lot. It actually amazes me because when you see the ball come off the boot, you're like, as soon as you see it, you can go, that's too hard. All right, and so what, you minutes, reckon maybe like, if you just kick it dead in general, but if it's like a mistake in the act of scoring, like a knock-on or a... Um... If you're, yeah, if you're attempting to score um, or if, yeah, if, you're attempt, if the player is attempting to score... So I don't think you can put that in there. I don't think you can put that because then there's going to be different interpretations. If you say kick it dead, that's the only reason of getting seven tackle set. Yeah. yeah. Except outside of a field goal, I'd say. Yeah. It's just, it feels it, it right. If you act scoring trying to progress the game and it's not a, you know, it's not an overcooked grubber that you put the ball over the line for. It's a, you know, Genuine drop the ball over the line. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's enough. That's not there's, a seven tackle set. That's only taken like fucking, I don't know, ten years, I guess, from to start talking about. But anyway, um, yeah, cool. Let's move on to things that are still funny, but maybe not as um controversial. So dragons, they're one and four. There's already people talking about Griffin's <laughs> head, um. On the chopping block, and what to me found that uh, makes this funny is he got a contract extension before the season starts started. That takes him through to twenty twenty three, which a few people said was maybe a premature call based on how they finished the season last year. So, I think it was saying in their last fifteen games, they, yeah, well, they but in their last fifteen they've won two, and it's both against the Warriors. But they've lost yeah, right. the other 13. Um, it's not good. And then you've got yeah. then you've got the selection differences. But the thing that's crazy, supposedly he's got like four games to get two wins, basically. And then before they look at a coaching change, the payout's only $475. Yeah, $475. Oh yeah, thousand dollars from now to the end of next season. Four hundred seventy-five. They're firing right now and just give him a few, few bloody hot chip um, tokens, tokens to the game. That's such a low figure for a head coach in the NRL, and he is one of the lowest he, paid coaches in the NRL. He is the lowest paid. Coach. Oh, he is. Oh yeah. So four hundred seventy-five thousand for a team that's owned by um, Win Corporation. That's nothing. So. It could be just around the corner. And I don't really think he's helping his case here by some of his selections, um, especially those in key positions, especially those with younger players. Like, it, uh, it's probably not a completely fair comparison, but I'm looking at Lachlan Ilias at South Sydney, where he was not lighting the world on fire the first two, even three rounds. And I know I had him in fantasy. I was watching pretty much everything he did. Um, but over the last two rounds, he's really started to step his game up. And a couple of, he could have had an extra couple of try assists. 
a um, couple that have been called back for different things. But it's when you back, you've got to back your players more than two weeks, like three weeks. Look, look he... I don't agree after five weeks we should be even having this conversation about yeah. coach. I, it. I, it, it shouldn't McGuire? even be on the radar. Like, they've had a bad start. How? What? Why isn't... Well, Adam O'Brien talked about why isn't Ricky Stewart, Des Hasler... Des Hasler hasn't had a great start of the year either. Hey, we're oh, fifth on the table, man. Oh, sorry. Or yeah. six, sorry. Um, like, there's worse, worse, worse teams out there as far as I'm concerned with Dragons. But the thing about it is... Yeah, Bulldogs and Tigers, that's it. Uh, me, and, me and Wall had a really long chat about like what's going on here and one of the reasons Griffin dropped Sloan especially was that he was a boy against men in the way he was playing not well to a point physically but the way he, he wasn't in the right positions when they were needed sometimes and he wasn't ready for what the NRL week in week out was okay. throwing at him. Um, that was one of the reasons he, he gave as to why he dropped Sloan he didn't actually drop a Monet. He put him on the bench, which, which if worse. you ask me and you ask Wall, a Monet was probably the weaker out of all of them in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with the fact that Jack Bird's been having a go, but um, I think even I think Wall said that he'd rather him second row just to create that punch on the edge because Harris him absolutely on the weekend. Yeah. See the thing about it, this is what people people get is the fact that if a ball bounced this way or you know yeah. anything like that, and Moses Embiid picked the ball up and went through, scored a try because Moses Embiid and Jack Bird are not bad replacements in those positions. Like yes, Moses Embiid didn't penetrate as much as Tyron Sloan did with his speed and he's mm. um, off the mark, but he's definitely safe and he definitely can create stuff from back. And Jack Jack Bird was probably I don't know, close to on par with Ben Hunt the last two weeks in, in, in the six mm. and seven years. So he didn't do a bad bad job. So it just took a bounce of the ball. And, you know, you lose, you get criticised. Welcome to your know, IT. Welcome to professional sports. Pretty sure the EPL is currently worse, the NRL, as far as dropping coaches. But um, reality of it is that... There's actually money on the line over there, though. Oh, well, look, reality of it is that Griffin... Made a choice. Um, the only only criticism I really have of him is if you look through their roster, they probably have the most in-depth team all overall. Uh, Sharks probably have a bit more in-depth than their forwards, but they have probably the most in uh, so depth players. But when you can, you know, have a team like they had on the weekend and still have Fui Maiono and Josh McGuire out on the injured mm. list, but still have a pretty reasonable team. Plus, you you know, you don't have Cody Ramsey, Tyrell Sloan, Tao Tai Moga is still sitting on that in the wing somewhere. Um, stuff like that. Matt, the other fee guy is injured. You know, they have a shit ton of depth. Burgess was 19th man in this game. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could say really that he had six months sitting with this team going, okay, what's my best 17? Mm. They have three injuries as far as I know, but they still, he, he doesn't know what his 17 is. 
that's going to gel the best. He, he probably had the idea what it was. It didn't work, so he changed something up. But I think this point in the season where you're changing it so much, where you had six months to prepare, is probably not the best ideal situation. But reality of it was, he saw something he liked, and the coach is prerogative. He changed it up. See, it's like, sit down and relax. It's five games in. Yeah, but then there's nothing to talk about if you're relaxed, man. <laughs> Let's have a look I at know, the, the Dragons' next few games. Knights, Roosters, Tigers, Storm. That's, next that's four tough. games. That's, uh, they, they theoretically win two, and they'll probably push the Roosters. Well, it depends which Roosters you get, whether you get the first half or the... Well, they've only played 40 minutes at a time at the moment. That's been enough to win. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, but All that... Right. that, that in the finals and put the fear up people. Cool. We're going to have our first break. We're going to come back with all the wrap-up from the NRLW Grand Final. Welcome to our NRLW Grand Final wrap, and it's perfect timing because Jared's checking out the size of dresses down his end of the camera. Backstory, Adam gave me a whole heap of baby girl clothes, and I'm going through them as I'm talking. Jared doesn't even have a baby daughter. That's just for him. Let's uh, have a look. NRLW Grand Final at Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe was the Dragons versus the Roosters. And four weeks ago, Roosters were not looking real flash to even make the finals, let alone the grand finals, whereas the grand final, whereas the Dragons were absolutely flying along with the Broncos. Um, Roosters came from 16 points down last week against the Broncos to get into the grand final. Dragons kicked out the Titans and... The broadest of this, a packed, packed Morton Daly Stadium. Uh, beautiful afternoon. Crowd was epic. Wall actually went down and watched this one as a Dragon supporter and got there right in time for the first try, which was scored by Matty Bartlett from the Dragons uh, in the first minute. However, that was the only points Dragons scored with the Roosters running out. 16-4 winners to which win the grand final. The Roosters. Yeah. Dragons were very strong in their attack this year, so full credit to them. Oh, man, it was... It's the Roosters' first grand final win after three attempts, and you could see with the celebration of the team how much it meant to the women, and this game was absolutely awesome. It was 4-0 from the dra- to the Dragons after the first minute. There wasn't another point scored till the 44th minute. Um, when Yasmin Meeks got over for the Roosters, which made it four points all. Remember, the women's game is 70 minutes rather than 80. And to go from the first minute through to the 44th, a 43-minute gap without points, usually is a pretty dull match. But outside of probably the first five to ten minutes, the Roosters dominated the ball and the field position from then on. And they just could not get the ball down over the line. Uh, try-saving tackles, held-ups, knock-ons, pretty much anything that could have stopped the Roosters from scoring happened. Credit to the Dragons' defense. They just held in, held in, held in, and then when they attacked, they looked brilliant, and Roosters came up with the same defense. And it was without without even, like, sugar-coating this, some of the men's teams could have a look at some of these women's teams with regards to their communication and teamwork with their try line defense it's meant to be the easiest part of the field to defense you don't have to drop back 10 meters so you get a longer rest 
more time to communicate and there's less room for the opposition to attack with. Their both sides' defence was incredible. The amount of people getting underneath the ball, holding it up, tackling into touch um, was awesome to watch. And it wasn't until there was some broken play Isabel Kelly stepped back on the inside, had some open space, ran away that put the Roosters in front in the 54th minute. And you kind of felt that the Dragons had had their crack. And then with Olivia Higgins going over in the 66th minute, that wrapped it up for the Roosters, 16-4. Zahara Tamara kicking two from three. And Talia Fuimayono being Simbin in the 19th minute didn't cost the Dragons on the scoreboard, However, the energy um, spent on a pretty hot afternoon may have paid, may have um, run its toll towards the end of the game. I have to say it was definitely a Simbi. Um, it was Bridie Parker, I believe, did her ACL and was slightly falling, but Fumano's shoulder probably would have clipped it, taken a head out anyway. Um, <laughs> So from 4-0 at halftime, a 16-4 victory to the Roosters. Uh, Quincy Dodd, Yasmin Meeks topped the tackle count for both their sides, 35-33. Emma Tonegado, the joint M, most run metres of the game, 207. Isabel Kelly, 176 for the Roosters. Uh, line break each to Kelly and Tonegado. Um, stars of the game for me, uh, Kelly stood out. Meeks stood out. Um, the sisters, uh, Buchanan sisters, they one tackled the other one in a try saving tackle to stop a try, which was funny and then also incredible at the same time. Um, sorry, not what did I say? Buchanan, McGregor sisters, I meant to say. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to see who else here. Had a big one. Corbin Baxter was clinical at fullback, didn't make a mistake. Hannah Southwell, that's the one. Defensive specialist uh, at lock there for the Roosters. So <clears throat> Sarah Togatuki claimed the Karen Murphy medal, which is the women's equivalent to the Clive Churchill. Um, prop for the Roosters, starting prop, played 49 minutes. I'm just getting the stats up here for Sarah. 49 minutes, 16 hit-ups for, sorry, 13 hit-ups for 161 metres, 59 post-contact metres, one line break, five tackle breaks, an offload, 21 tackles, zero missed tackles. Um, pretty complete performance there for a starting prop. And really, really spurned the Roosters on with go forward, especially after the Kelly try. So congratulations to the Roosters, commiserations for the Dragons. I'm already looking forward to the second NRLW season. It's been awesome to watch. The, it's the best professional women's sport in Australia, in my opinion, um, with regards to what you see as a product. And I'm a huge fan of Super Netball. Uh, but... Yeah, looking forward to the second season with yeah. new teams coming in as well. Yeah, next year is going to be awesome. And it'll uh, become professional next year. So it'll be more games, more range of players coming in. And it'll be, it'll be good for teams like Newcastle and, well, Gold Coast made the finals, but it'll be good for those new teams for 
you know, girls to get that exposure as to what level of football this will be like. So this year was absolutely epic in the season. The grand final really proved um, what it was. And uh, I keep saying it, like, these girls are proving that it's a privilege to be what level they are to play football and what they're doing with it. And they're loving every minute. They're soaking it in and they're enjoying it. Um, and Graham showed it because even the game, you know, Dragons lot, the Dragon girls lot, they're so respectful and enjoyed the ceremony. And they, it's just an amazing event for rugby league. Um, and the, the way the girls are presenting themselves um, is just top, top, top shelf, top shelf. Top shelf. I'm loving it. And you're talking about the experience of the players, St. George players, playing with Emma Tonegato. Interested to see how the Dragons kick on in the second season later this year after having the experience of playing with Emma Tonegato for a whole season. So she came from Rugby Sevens, a full-time professional athlete, uh, into the NRLW setup. She had played rugby league for the Gillaroos previous to going to Rugby Union, but there was no professional pathway for rugby league at the time. So... She's come from a background of preparing herself every day for her profession. And she would have been playing with girls here and women here who have done this, the part-time thing and seeing how she prepares herself, how she recovers game day, training days, off days, all that sort of stuff is only going to prove uh, invaluable to her teammates moving forward. I'm kind of hoping there's not too much player movement like there was before this season. It'd be really good to see, how much the teams can progress again, playing with the same uh, girls on their team. Uh, I'm just trying to see the crowd number here because to me it was pretty, it looked pretty close to packed out uh, down at Mont Daly Stadium. But either way, awesome spectacle. And one final point on the women's game, Titan star Karina Brown wins the Veronica White medal uh, for the season, which is... Recognition of her efforts to inspire and mentor young female athletes. So she received the award before uh, the grand final. So Brown edged out Samaya Tafua for the medal. Tafua has won this medal three times previously, and the chair believed that she could have won it again um, and made it known to her that she was one of the four finalists as well, but Brown took it out. Uh, this year. So huge congratulations there to Karina Brown and all the work that she's put into mentoring young female athletes. We're going to have our second break before we come back with judiciary and injury news from round five of the NRL. Pretty busted up round five we've just had. Latron Mitchell is probably the biggest name, set to miss eight weeks with a hamstring injury. He had a cortisone injection to release swelling in his knee after last weekend's match against Penrith. Um, Scans revealed the tear was in the tendon rather than the muscle, causing a longer than expected recovery time. So a big, big blow there for the Rabbitohs. Um, Blake Taft, perhaps the fullback, now that he's in the side. Could be an Alex Johnson switch with Mansoor on the wing. Uh, we'll see. Longer Blake uh, was dealing with a knee injury and Parramatta lost him during the game against the Titans. Suffered an MCL tear with his return date yet to be determined. Hudson Young forced withdrawal with a toe injury against Melbourne. And Matt Tomoko also failed to finish the match after copping accidental knees in the back. He could not move 
Um, he was asked to tough it out till half time, so it didn't cost him an interchange in the first half. Um, but yeah, he was in no fit state to continue playing. Knights What's the difference for a centre swap in the first half compared to the second half? I know they can talk about it a bit more at half time, see what other niggles there are, maybe have a bit more time yeah, to play what they're going to do. It's really strange for someone who, as you said, couldn't move. Yeah, no, he did not look good. Um, uh, for the Knights, Dom Young and Drama Mimosia uh, didn't make it through the game against the Seagulls. Dom Young plugged his knee into the turf, scoring what ended up being a no try and uh, was assisted from the field straight away. And Mimosia looked as though he dislocated his elbow. Yeah, it was from friendly fire. It was cooked. I hate yeah. seeing stuff like that. Did not look good. And we, we were talking about Martin Tapao prior to the game. Um, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the judiciary, but left with a sh- shoulder complaint. And for the Cowboys, the Hammer Fidel missed two to three weeks after scans confirmed a PCL tear <laughs> after they lost the Roosters in round four. Okay. Judiciary. Head highs. Now... I was frustrated watching this as a fan who understands the match review panel, probably more so than the average fan and definitely more than the casual fan. Um, oh, I'd, even I'm at a, at a loss to explain how things went down. Like we're looking at the Junior Paulo shot on AJ Brimson and then the Hamanuele shot on Salagi, I think it was, from the Tigers. Junior Paulo... Made shoulder-to-shoulder contact on AJ Brimson. It was a big shot. There was a lot of force in it. Brimson's head whiplashed during and during and after the tackle. He dropped down, clutching his neck first before he grabbed his shoulder where the contact was. He was in pain, but not enough pain to not be able to look through Polo's legs at the referee to see if he was going to get a penalty. When that penalty wasn't forthcoming, he stayed on the ground probably longer than he would do for a normal play of the ball. Um, that extra time gave the bunker a chance to have a look at it, we assume, and Paulo was sinbin for 10 minutes and put on report, and he will now be banned for one match due to not appealing and risking losing two games. Now, the footage from that tackle is not hard to come by. I just type in Junior Paulo hit on Brimson into Google. The Fox Sports video that they have of, if you pause it at the 27 second mark, you can see that the first contact is shoulder to shoulder. Does that shoulder then drive through um, into the neck region? Yeah. But the initial contact is what they're going to and talking about for all of their charges. my feel is pretty hard done by. I think every commentator watching it was pretty hard done by. Uh, felt it was pretty hard done by. And I think it was at Jackson Hastings at home even put a tweet out going, what is happening uh, with a question mark. It was, yeah, it was fine. It was, he literally got simbin and penalised for tackling too hard, which admitted tears. And then Hamanuele the next day, <clears throat> was pretty much the exact same um situation he got a he got put on a report only got a grade one charge and 
there's to be decided what plea is going to be putting forward. Um, that one was come back down from the bunker saying, supposedly it was shoulder to head and you're on report, but there was no sim bin, just a penalty. So in that by itself, there was inconsistency. And it's just, it's just frustrating. It's like, all right, okay. frustrating. Okay. You ready? There is two people, two groups of people to blame for this one. One, the match review committee for not analysing every single tackle in the game. Because that's what they should be doing. And two, the players. So what's happening these days is, and I fucking teed off on Thursday night about it, mm-hmm. that if you stay down for any injury, the tackle will be overanalyzed. And if there's any supposed forceful contact to the head, it will be penalised. And so what pissed me off in the Manly game was that Marty Tapao in the first tackle of the game, he, he looked like his whole shoulder separated from the bone. Like it, it looked horrendous how he was reacting. Marty Tapao doesn't genuinely react like that. And he's holding his shoulder. He was bouncing on the ground like a fit. It actually reminded me of my daughter learning how to crawl, like bouncing around everywhere, complaining about his shoulder injury. And I was like, oh, shit, is he all right? And I honestly thought he had to go off because, you know, one, the game stopped, and two, he was bouncing around on the ground with his shoulder injury. He was in that much pain. What happened was that the tackle got analysed, despite the fact he was holding his shoulder, Daniel Saifidi, no, no, it was Chris Randall, actually, the tiny little hooker, clocked him a little bit on the chin, which, you know, it's not allowed, but Mm. if, and this is where the issue is, if he didn't stay down and be hurt from something completely unrelated, that tackle would not have been overanalyzed. And what proves my point is 10 minutes later, Saifidi got completely jammed in the chin, but unrelated to that, he dropped the ball and then he got up going, fuck, I dropped the ball. That tackle didn't get a penalty. Whereas this one does. So if the players didn't want someone like Junior Paulo Simmin at the time, they can all get together on the group. Stay down. And this don't stay down. And what the NRL can do to stop that, if you stay down for a genuine reason, so you know, Marty Tapao hurt his shoulder on the first tackle of the game, and then the reason got shits me off was and I ended up feeling bad about it, but the reason that shit me off was that he played for another 20, 25 minutes or whatever it was, yeah. went off, and then at halftime, I was ruled out for the shoulder injury. And it just shitted me off. I was just sitting there. I was like, well, one, he should have gone off straight away. So here's how we stop it. If anyone is on the ground hurt and they're genuinely hurt enough to stay down and not play the ball, barring cramp, they should go off the field and get analysed. Done. The players stop laying down when you get copped in the chair. And do you know what? If anyone comes back at me and says they don't, go fuck yourself because you, they do. They they all do it. They all do it. They, they honestly do. And it's a, it's a tactic done by some teams and a tactic done by another team, which annoys me as well because, as I said, certain teams are, are not doing it and they're getting screwed over because of it because they're deciding not to... Lay down. 
And so, yeah, players stop doing it. Make a rule so that anyone does stay down to take them off the field straight away. And match review committee, analyse every single tackle. If you're going to penalise and suspend Junior Paulo just because AJ Brimson stayed down, which, by the way, he held his neck first, the back of his neck, and then he held his shoulder, deciding what part of his body was actually injured. So, so yeah, if the match review committee actually analyse every single game, every single tackle in the game, if there's any supposed forceful contact to the face, neck, above the thing, instantly qualify. And that's going to knock a lot of this shit out of the game. And the reality of it is that, and with the age, so going back to the age of Vincent holding his neck, how is not neck injuries treated the same level as a concussion injury? Like that, that for me should be a pretty high priority in a row of someone holding their neck. Should be, for me, it's the same as getting assessed by the side of the field. So reality of it is, match review committee analyze every tackle. NRL knock off players, send the players off um, for Injury. playing down. And if it's not a genuine thing, it's a legitimate interchange. That means they're losing interchange out of it. And oh, no. players like, e- either way, it's a, in, to me either way it's an interchange because if it's a yeah. no, because uh, the HIA is a free interchange if they if they don't pass it. Yeah. If the players stay down and then go back on the field, I consider that an interchange. That's a, that's one interchange done for yeah. me. That's as far as I'm concerned. That's that's And it should be what, specially so what's a, what's targeted. What's free interchange? What? What would be a free interchange for like so a So a free interchange is if... Um, They'd have to stay they, on the field to be assessed, wouldn't they? No, no. If they, if they go off the field and... They go back on. Yeah. That means it's an interchange. Yeah. Right. If they stay off, free interchange. Because that way they're genuinely injured. Yeah. Because, like, and and it should be like specially targeted. Minutes. It should be specially targeted to um, halves and fullbacks. Because, and I've said it before, the amount of times Kalen Ponga has been smacked around the head. And then when they're on the field, they judge him as he's passed the initial test. Mm. Like he did go off on the weekend, but it, it happened all the time last year. Players who are, you know, are outside backs, important players to the team who don't genuinely get interchange, they've probably got the lowest percentage of HIAs compared to forts who get who do get interchange. So it really the players need to start taking responsibility for way the way the NRL is reacting to their actions. And stop complaining about it. It's still my head in. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with that. It reminds me of... Um, there's another sport where players dive to get penalties. It's called soccer. And we're pretty much one step away from that. And a rule that I'd love to see in soccer, and they'll never put it part of their game, but if a player goes down, they're rolling around, grabbing like their shin or whatever, whatever it is in order to get the penalty of the other card for the other team. You can get a yellow card for the other team and not have to roll around grabbing your leg. If you continue to do that, in my opinion, it's pretty straightforward. They're substituted because they're obviously too hurt to continue playing or they yellow card themselves. Um, I don't think we're at the point yet where you sin bin the player for staying down, but I honestly don't see it being that far away. Uh, 
I hate it from the fans' point of view, watching Tapao do that. That makes the club look bad, not just the player, um, which I hate. And, and then, like, I love watching Brimson play, but the fact he was literally looking at the referee while grabbing his neck and then changing to his shoulder. He got belted. Like, it would have freaking hurt. I'm not saying it didn't. But his first thought was, I better get a penalty out of this. No, you're a fucking half running into the middle of the field. Get you, get be prepared to get hit. Like it is part of the legend of Johns and Thurston and um, Langer. Well, yeah, Langer Langer was a big Sterling was massive. Sterling, like what made these guys so good is they could do these things while being slaughtered, like smashed for the entire game. Well, it's always funny when players you just mentioned talk about it. They say, on one hand, that they should never be hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then on the other hand, they go, the players should be going deep into the line. Yeah. Of your teammates that you're prepared to take a hit for. So, you know, what they're saying is that if they don't have the ball in their hand, we lost it half a second ago and be hit. Well, if if you're an opposing second row of all mate coming in the line, you want to smack him as hard as you can. Yeah. No matter what, make sure he knows you're there. And if you're a t- tad late, but you're committed to the tackle already. So if you're, if they're committed, they shouldn't be penalized, but they are these days. Ridiculous. Um, we'll come back with a wrap up of the eight games and a specific feature on a couple of them before we wrap up the show. So to kick us off on Thursday night was Jared versus Adam, Knights versus Eagles uh, up at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle on a very wet, uh, wit, very wet, windy night. Did not look at all enjoyable for those in the crowd. And um, this game was a bit of a grind uh, for the first, what, 50 minutes? Yeah. Also, um, first try wasn't until the 23rd minute. Uh, Andrew Davey getting a short ball off Dylan Walker, who <laughs> made quite an impact coming on, set up two tries off short balls uh, before Kalen Ponga hit back just after half time for the Knights. Um, and then pretty much from then on, it was all manly. And a couple of uh, factors led to this the mounting injury toll for the Knights. Callum Ponga went off for a HIA and didn't return, I believe. Did return. Yeah, Ponga returned. Yeah, return. Yeah, sorry. It was um, Dom Young and uh, Mimosia. How do I say it? Jared? Oh, I don't even know. Go for it. Okay, cool. Um, but to me, the, the biggest factor was. Cherry Evans having a blinded two weeks in a row, um, playing wet weather footy to a tee. Um, his kicking game was on point. Uh, his direction was on point. And the fact that I looked at the end of the game and fantasy points, like they don't obviously tell you all, but Foran scored the least amount of points, I think, for the entire Seagulls team. And when I went back and watched it, he was involved in a lot of things, but the impact Cherry Evans made with the touches he had compared to the other three halves on the field um, was the next level. 
And he, to me, he was the difference, obviously, along with Hamone Olakatu, who had a barnstorming game, was rewarded with a, um, a try in the 72nd minute, and also Manly's bench. Uh, you look at Carl Lawton got across for a try, Paseca got across for a try, and two of them were set up by Dylan Walker. Uh, all three of them coming off the bench made a pretty much turned the game for Manly, especially in the last half hour. Yeah. Um, look, Manly are clearly the better team. Newcastle just look. They're I'm going to say it. Their attacks worse with Ponga in the back. They like when we at the start of the year, their attack looks very decisive and. Yeah, you know, they're, they're moving the ball around and it was it looked really good. Adam Clune was getting on the front foot. This they're just kind of they're, they're not in sync with their attack right now. And it's it's not looking good, eh? Um, but what I and I, I said this before so many times, but what I want to do is just have a consistent run with our best team on the field. I just want to see if they're good. Like, if the squad they've put together with our best 17 is good. With those injuries, we're up to nine, eight or nine injuries now. And, oh, that, sorry, that, that includes Barnett's suspension. And, you know, it's like it's a great test of our depth. But, and that, that, that's a conversation we had about how we're not winning games despite injuries. Um, which a lot of teams are able to do, but Newcastle not one of those teams. We get a few injuries, we really struggle. Um, I guess Manly had practice for that last year. Um, yeah, that's that's why I literally I tipped the Knights for this one thing. And all right, we're in Newcastle. Uh, it's a grudge match, traditional rival. No, they weren't in Newcastle. Yeah, no Trebojevic, no Cooler. And I was going, well, Garrick's going to be fullback, and Garrick at fullback. Okay has strengths he's good under the high ball he's good positionally um he's good defensively but he's not going to chime into the back line he's not going to take pressure off the halves he's not going to throw a cutout ball to the wing and create an extra man on either side he's pretty much he's not a he he is a non-factor in attack when he's at fullback um so i was going where's the points going to come from especially with the centers being who they are um so that's that's another tick for Cherry Evans for me. And I thought Christian Tui Palotu for his first game for Manly, um, brilliant's not the right word, but he had effort and intensity in every one of his runs. And because he's got all the big flopping hair, I'm like, Jesus, Harper's like going at it. And I went, no way, this guy's running way harder. And it was Tui <laughs> Palotu. And that was great to see. Um, there was one... The Morgan Harper try was probably my favourite part of the match and not for, for for one specific reason. Much earlier in the game, Manly had the ball. They were attacking, I think they are about 30 metres out. Jason Saab was up in the line with the rest of the Manly backs. Cherry Evans put a grubber in behind the Newcastle defensive line. But because Jason Saab was in line with the other backs, the Newcastle winger had already dropped back respecting sub speed the grubber came through it was uh Tawala, i believe turn mm-hmm. sub still caught up with him sub speed but Tawala was had positioned himself well enough to shield the ball and knock it over the dead ball line prevent sub getting a crack at it um it was good defensive play fast forward 20 minutes 
Manly were on the exact same position of the field. The difference was Saab was 15 metres behind the rest of the Manly backs. The Newcastle winger was up in the defensive line because Saab wasn't an option then. So Cherry Evans saw that and put the grubber through instead for Harper. And it's not a play that even I expected to see, but Harper had a free run at the ball, picked it up and scored with no defence around him. And I went, oh, that's kind of off the cuff. That's kind of cool to see. Rewound the play. As soon as Sheridan's got the ball, Harper was gone, the full speed. They already knew the play was on beforehand. So that's something that your half sets up the play before. And that was awesome to see um, from yeah, a fan's well, point yeah. of view, knowing that it didn't work earlier. They made the adjustment um, and they pulled it off. There, there is. When you, when you come up against a team, you're like, you know what? I'd be mad if that bloke scored. Yeah. <laughs> and Harper is at the top of my list. It's in the NRL. And you were okay with that. Morgan Harper. And we played Charlie Staines at Penrith. Oh, God. I, I can get beaten by a lot. But if those two score, I get fucking mad. I, I just... Oh, mate. Well, mate I was watching was... the Penrith game against Bulldogs. They were just racking up points. And I was like... Is Charlie Sands even on the field? Like, everyone's scoring bar this guy. And there's, like, that length of field Scott yeah, tried look, at Penrith scored. He was just running on the inside. Like, give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, I, I probably I probably criticise Newcastle more than anyone. Well, I, I, I do criticise them a fair amount in the fact that I have higher expectations as to what they're producing because, you know, they have some decent players in their squad. But fuck me. When he scored, I was like, ah, I was ready to... I don't know. I, I was watching in the car um, on, on on my phone. And I was I was about to throw my cup phone out the window when he scored. I was he fuming. wasn't driving. He was in a car park. He was in a car park. I was fuming when that happened. But then, you know, yeah, we'll we'll just see how Newcastle go against St George because they're two teams that are pretty well. Their attack is struggling, both of them. Yeah. So it might not be a very high quality game this weekend. So Manly beat Newcastle 30 points to six. Yes. Yeah, so talking about quality, um, not a whole lot of it in the first game on the Friday night, Warriors versus Cowboys, but damn, it was entertaining. <laughs> Holy jeez. Um, what a fun game. This one ended up 25-24, Warriors over the Cowboys in Golden Point. Um, four tries apiece, four conversions for Reese Walsh, two to Valentine Holmes, but two penalty goals. And then a Sean Johnson field, field goal in the 82nd minute after missing one earlier. Um, <clears throat> talking about the try line defense of the women's grand final, man, the Cowboys could have used some of that because, God damn, two of the tries for the Warriors. Cody Nicarima's try uh, was yeah. like high school touch football level where Scotty Drinkwater, Drinkwater was caught kind of at second marker right in his try line. And Cody Nicarima was at dummy half and kind of faked the ball out to the open side. Drinkwater fell for that. And Nicarima literally just ran around the ruck into a six-meter gap on the Cowboys try line. And the Cowboys had worked pretty hard to build their lead at that stage. And they just kept giving it up uh, to the Warriors because it was literally Cowboys, Warriors, Cowboys, Warriors, Cowboys, Warriors, Cowboys, Warriors. That's how the try scoring went the whole game. And... 
it, it was it was just a fun game. Like you could see Drinkwater just getting in everything. His first start of the year with the hammer being out, he had a brilliant game. Um, for, for the majority of it, Valentine Holmes again competed really hard. Are you and Aitken another really good game for the Warriors? Um, outside of like the entertainment value, there, there really wasn't anyone individually that shone, I think, in this game, but um, Tamalolo, in my opinion, he was, he's looking better and better every week. Um, he's getting more minutes, which is nice to see. And some of his footwork is coming back, especially near the line. While it didn't break through the line, it definitely bent the line um, the times that he utilised it. So 63 minutes this week. Um, out of the 80s, much better, in my opinion. Uh, and he went for 199 metres, 90, 90 post-contact metres. That's back to what we kind of expect. Four tackle breaks, um, a dummy half run for 18 metres. Nothing on David Fafita, of course. Jared will love that one. And just busy, man. Like, the work rate was there. Outside of that, this is just a, a it's just a fun game to watch. I lost the yeah. tip, but yeah, I, I thought Cowboys was easily to be honest. Um, just the way they were, just the way they've been playing the last couple of weeks, and the way they and they kind of went away from how they're playing. I tell you what, Tom Dean's having a really good season. Oh yeah, um, really strong, and if Sean Johnson can get some of the errors out of his game. Every don't time think he, he touches, will. We know what Sean every, Johnson is by now. Yeah, I know. But every time he touches the ball, he's creating something. Mm. Every damn time. Like, he's just... He's that sort of player. Like, he takes risks. And people criticise him a lot. He had a really good press post-match interview explaining how much it meant to him to win this game and kick the winning field goal. Oh, yeah. He was really emotional. Yeah. Um, but, like... I don't get why people criticise him. He's the only reason these blokes are scoring points. Like, it's nuts. He's that good. He's so, so funny. Yeah, he, um, yeah, and Warriors Warriors have not changed their way they've been playing since 1998 since they came into competition. They've, and they and they won't. They won't change it. It's embedded in them to just oh. play pretty expansive. And you know what? They've tried to bring in players to have those hard edge, you know, Steve Price, Ryan Hoff and Simon Mannering, all those sort of players. But when it comes down to it, they're at their best when they're passing the ball around. They may have a high error rate, but they will put 70 on you if you don't watch your back in 10 minutes. Like they are nuts when they get going. And uh, I have, yeah. I was going to say a stat that surprised me. Cowboys are giving away the least amount of offloads out of any club they're averaging um they're limiting their opponents to five offloads a game um the cowboys themselves had six after 10 minutes so yeah that's, but that's crazy on that note which i'm I, surprised I kind, of lean, kind of lean towards the fact they're playing very relaxed and outlandish plays like adam for blake letting was it scott drink water that oh, when shit. he when he when he just grabbed the ball in his own <laughs> trial on one hand, like he's grabbing a beer from the bartender, and yeah. he's just, you know, and the ball is like, don't, 
dinged on the ground, landed. Uh, was it Drinkwater or Deedon? I can't remember. That was um, on the Deedon's try. The diamond? Oh, yeah. yeah whatever. And it, it, it just, and I was just like, mate, you're the captain. And honestly, now, I don't, it reminded I don't me think of Ken. He knew what he was doing there. I really don't. Yeah, I know, but it reminded me of how Ken Mamalo is actually playing. Like you, you, you say you don't know, you don't know if Adam Penewan knew what he was doing. Ken Mamalo is doing yeah. that week in week out. It, it is. He literally went, oh, Ken Mamalo. That looks like a good player to emulate. I'll fuck up this. And like, there's a couple game, a couple moments in the Tigers game in the weekend where the ball was like dribbling towards the sideline. Ken Mamalo is just like. Get no, on his chair, and oh, I'll get to that eventually. Oh, it's went out. Damn, Dang. I was too slow, and I that's what it reminded me of. Fanua Blake's was kind of like, oh, the ball's there. Should I hit it dead? Should I try and grab it? Should I pass it? And he just literally just hit it down into the ground. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And you, you know just see him walking by the goalpost, going, "Oh, fucking idiot!" <laughs> and you know what? The reality of it is, it could he could have just hit it behind the thing. Yeah. Um, he could have caught the ball one hand and gridiron a pass to his winger on the other side of the field. He could have grabbed the ball and he could have you know, anything, anything. And you know what? There is a high chance of him doing what he did. There's a high. There's just as much chance of him gridiron the ball across the field, yeah. and there's just a good good chance that he does the safe thing, catches the ball, and actually runs over the try line to you know not have yeah. anything happen. But that's the cool thing about the Warriors. You don't know what's going to happen week in, oh, week I, out. I think it's more the fact that there was a prop standing almost in a fullback position to a grubber and it actually coming to him and then bouncing up so high that he's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> what do I do? Um, so probably the most surprising game, I think, of the round uh, for a couple of different reasons. Broncos 20 defeated by the Roosters 24 up at Suncorp Stadium. Um. Broncos were on top early in this one. Uh, they're up 10-0 at halftime. Tries to Corey Oates and one of the individual tries of the year to Katoni Staggs, who kind of decided to show up this week. Uh, credit to those who kept him in their fantasy teams. Uh, absolutely manhandled Paul Momorowski before beating yeah. three others on the way to the try line. Yeah, uh, but he, he manhandled Paul Momorowski about four or five times in this yeah. game. And we've talked Momorowski's... Uh, We've talked him up the last couple of years because of how well he's been playing. So he's no he's no uh, slouch. And then the second half uh, was a twenty four to ten. I'm not going to say domination, but Roosters doing a forty minute performance again, uh, similar to what they did against Manly, similar to what they did against uh, who was it last week? Cowboys, where pretty much all the points that they're scoring is in one half. This time it was the second half. And Joseph Manu with a double, Torpanua, Sam Walker getting across the line, as well as two more tries to Corey Oates, who picked up a hat-trick for himself in a losing performance. And the only difference being two missed conversions uh, by Adam Reynolds. You don't hear that often. Look, Broncos fans were pretty damn happy with this result and the fact yeah. despite the fact they lost but they push Roosters to the thing. Even in that second game, in that second half where Adam when they scored all the points, Roosters did not get to the level where they played South Sydney out a couple of weeks. Was it South Sydney where they absolutely dominated it? Yeah, it was. No, they got beaten by South Sydney. Was it? 
Yeah, who who they who they just oh that was manly. The first was half it? they just freaking demolished them. Or it could have been the Cowboys. They did the same. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Twenty six twelve. They smacked you around. Yeah, yeah. So they lost to Newcastle twenty six twelve. Scored and they came out and Manly just didn't have an answer for anything. No. Um and. And Roosters played to the potential we knew they couldn't play. They didn't get to that standard against the Broncos because they didn't have to. Um, I, the, I'm not, I'm not convinced Broncos have turned their shit around. No. Um, they're just playing weaker teams at the start of the season, and it's it, it's going to be a long year for Broncos fans. And Adam Reynolds, why he's having a crack and trying to change a lot for them um their attack isn't overly different like they got a lot of they got a few tries off kicks this game with Corey Oates um but yeah and Roosters look they did what they have to just quietly going around their business and having a good doing a good job where they need to oh I do Um, give credit to the Broncos in that like we're talking about that manly I'm just bringing up here Roosters 26 manly 12 was 22 nil at half time to the Roosters so Manly won the second half to that one, 12-4. In this one, while they were down 10-0, uh, Broncos still scored two tries against them in the second half. It's not like the Broncos went away, but the Roosters took the chances that they weren't taking in the first half. Um, but also the Broncos weren't providing the, the chances that maybe you would have expected them to based on their form leading into this one. Uh, Broncos also had more possession, a higher completion rate, more time in possession, um, albeit less runs and less metres gained. But it is hard to score points when you don't have the ball for as long um, or as much possession, sorry, I was was trying to say. So I... I, They looked the best with Billy Walters at six, though. Yeah, they did. They, they really did. I, I tend to agree with you in that while it was an improved performance for the Broncos effort-wise, there's not there's, – there's nothing filling me with enough confidence to tip them next week regardless of who they're playing outside of the Tigers or the Bulldogs. Yeah. All right. Uh, Raiders – no, Raiders 16, Storm 30 out at Wagga Wagga. Uh, on the Saturday, awesome venue, awesome crowd, 8,000 out there to watch this one. Bit of a scare for the Storm early on with Pappenhausen after scoring a try going off the HIA test. He did come back into the game, scored his customary try, Jerome Hughes, Olam, uh, and Grant all scoring. Hughes with a double there. And for the Raiders, Sammy Valemi and Nick Kotrick both scoring, Schneider converting both and two penalty goals to get their 16 points here. Um, this looked like it could have been something real big early on after the Storm had scored three tries pretty quickly to get out to an 18-0 lead uh, before that try to Valemi. And Storm, another team that's winning without... Getting out of second gear? Yeah. They're, no they're... one's pushing them, eh? No, they're, they're, they're looking good without looking fantastic. Um, this is probably Jerome Hughes' best game of the season 
really stepping up into the line, using his footwork and his speed uh, in and around the ruck, um, running with the ball in two hands, keeping the defense guessing. Tell you what, though, um, we always talk about Melbourne losing players and them being able to just create gems out of nothing. Josh King, as yeah, there we like, go. I was waiting for that. Look, so he, we talk about Pappen out the score. He figured short four tries last week, one try this week. Jerome, yeah. he's killing it. He he's just been in the middle all, all game, all games this year. I'm pretty. I don't think he's played 80 minutes, but he's just been their most consistent player for me. He's just everywhere. Yeah, he's killing it. 68 yeah. minutes, 136 meters, 16 hit ups. 55 post contact. Uh, well, so he got here. I'm trying to find his tackle efficiency because it's been. Uh, oh, I'll bring it up for you there right now. 2022, yeah, 95%. He made yeah, 178 tackles. One offload, um, 22 tackles, uh, one missed. So 22 tackles to go with 160 meters uh, in 68 minutes in the middle of the field. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's been solid as, and it's allowed them to have Brandon Smith and Harry Grant on the field at the same time um, without Smith having to play lock, uh, if if required, because Smith played Well, 36. I think he is playing lock, and King's going up front. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, but it's interchangeable if they need to, is yeah. what I was saying. Uh, King played 68 minutes, Smith played 36 Grant played 69. So if you've got a hook of the caliber of Harry Grant and you don't have to play him for 10 minutes a game, um, it's not because he's not good enough. It's because you're in a position where you don't have to. And they they couldn't, Storm couldn't ever really do that with Cameron Smith because it wasn't until what the last year of his career. Brand Smith started making inroads and we, we were seeing what he could do. Um, yeah, it is fine in these players, but, um, you know, you had a great story about a sophomore Solomona. He went and oh, saw yeah. a sick kid and the sick kid drew a picture of him and put him with funky hair. So sophomore Solomona coloured it the same way. Um, great That's story champ, about that. Melbourne Storm's. Champ, the Melbourne Storms chairman, his 14 year old daughter, yet yeah, passed away this week to leukemia. Um, yeah. and Solomona and uh, there was some, one of the other players I can't remember, yeah, both went and visited her this week. That's yeah, glad you remember yeah. that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and he had a massive Canberra, game, he was totally, yeah. Ricky Stewart and Adam O'Brien are very lucky that Trent Barrett, Anthony Griffin, and Michael Maguire are struggling because those two would be pretty heavily talked about. I know um, Stewart would never be talked about in losing a job from Canberra, but yeah, Yeah. um, he's really struggling. Actually, I forgot to mention earlier. So... There's a whole thing about Caleb Ponger leaving and having to meet him Wayne and yada, yada, yada. Did you see the press conference for the Newcastle game? I don't know Ryan and Caleb Ponger. So, um, contract negotiations can't really be talked about until they're signed with dotted line. This press reporter 
ask Ponga, what are you doing? Are you leaving? And then Ponga's like, oh, I've got people, you, you know, to stand in line. Yeah. And then, which, you know, firstly, I was a bit annoyed. Can't you just commit or just say you're going? Whatever, fuck yeah. But then old mate was like, do you think the team's getting affected by it? And Ponga's like, well, what do you what do you expect me to say? Like, come on. Adam O'Brien stepped in and said something. And then he kept going and asked him two. So he asked him four questions in this press conference about his thing. And then I was expecting, like, everyone just go, mate, leave Ponga alone. For some reason, everyone blamed Ponga for walking out after the fourth questions. It was exactly the same. Oh, the shit out of me. <laughs> this, this fight can't answer the question. Sorry, I, I just went on a bit of a tangent about what oh, good people are doing, but... I want to talk about what's bad going on as well. Um, I was going to say, you yeah, can, we can link that straight into the um, Bulldogs Penrith match and talk about Trent Barrett's answer to that question. Um, I didn't see that one. What happened in that one? This reporter, and the basis of the question was brilliant. He just took too long, in my opinion, to ask it. Now, he had all these stats ready, he obviously watched all the games. And he was talking about Kyle Flanagan and him being the fourth choice that they've used as halfback. And he was saying, when positioned on the right of the field, your halfbacks have been provided with this much ball. And he actually had the numbers of how many passes each of the halfbacks, Avarillo, Wakeham, Flanagan, oh, sorry, might have been three, had received. And what they'd then done with the ball, rah, 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 rah. And he basically asked, are you putting your halfbacks in a position do you believe the team's putting their halfbacks in a position in order for them to succeed or is it the halfbacks inability to do something with the ball rah, rah, rah. it was this brilliant question that was just too long and you could see barrett and josh jackson's eyes glazing over and i'm sitting there waiting for a response because i'm like fuck yeah i want to hear what he says to this and his answer was no and I was like, what the fuck? That was actually a, a decent, decent question. question. Yes, it was long. He needs to narrow it down. But this guy, I don't know his name. He's got a Pommy accent. But he gets in there and actually asks decent questions. And we got some feedback when we were at the St. George Warriors game that we actually asked questions based around the game itself. Not um, just bullshit media stuff, yeah. And it was... So I'm sitting there going, man, that's, I want to hear that. It's, it's not a question where you can just say, oh, yeah, us and the boys and rah, rah, rah. And he just went, no. I went, you have no idea, do you? But anyway. <laughs> um, um, yeah, let's no, fly through these com- last four just because we're, we're going a bit, a bit longer here. Uh, we talked about Anthony Griffin and his decision-making with regards to his positions and players and all that sort of stuff. Um, didn't help their case here. Rabbitohs 24 over Dragons 12. I think Wells said Dragons looking worse every week, and it's hard to argue against that right now. Interesting to see what happens with the Rabbitohs from here on out with Latrell Mitchell out for eight weeks. Keon Kalamatungi continuing to be very strong. Um, Blake Taft stepping into the kicking shoes, hitting three out of four conversions uh, and a penalty goal. And we've already mentioned Mbai and... Bird having a crack for the Dragons. Um, another quite entertaining game up at the Gold Coast for a number of different reasons. Eels 26 over the Tigers. Twen- Eels 26 over the Titans. 20. 
14-0 halftime lead to the Eels. So a 20-12 second half to the Titans. Um, but again, it was just too big a lead for them to catch up. Dave Fafida with a highlight reel try for himself, picking the ball up from dummy half. It's a very scary proposition because he was not in the game at all in the first half. Um, I, don't, I, 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 would, I would cover that by saying he hasn't been in the game all year. No, he's doing pretty well. My, well, my fantasy mm. side is anyway. Um, <laughs> Eels, I don't think, gave anyone in the Titans side any chance in the first half. They, It was pretty much nah. they were doing what they wanted. They had the ball. Um, I, I hate to say it as a Manly fan, uh, but Eels are damn good to watch when they're on. Um, they are gelling quite well. Werbel Penasini's um, linked together a couple of good games in a row now. That, um, that attack is is it's going to be an epic game watching them play Penrith. It's going to be fucking top notch watching those two attacks go up against each other. Yeah, and yeah. Because even would. though they um, we'll get to Pen, well, we'll talk about Penrith now. Even though they beat the Bulldogs thirty-two to twelve. Uh, their defense did look vulnerable at times. There was a couple of times the Bulldogs opened them up, and if they had more skilled players and if they could do their backline moves faster, they would have scored. It was just the quality opposition. Uh, the quality of the opposition was good enough to stop any real attacking raid by the Bulldogs. But a Parramatta, a Roosters, a Storm, um, a Rabbitohs. If they're watching this game, I think they're going to be taking more out of what the Bulldogs set up and saying we could actually finish that. Cole yeah, Flanagan at halfback. going to have a crack. Yeah. Cole Flanagan at halfback made a big difference to the Bulldogs. I'm glad he got his yeah. crack. I'm glad he applied himself. Um, I really don't think anyone expected him to win, but he was in and around. He was taking the ball to the line. He directed the team around. He did not shirk in defense. He took um, Liam Martin on, uh, like, head on a couple of times. Um, you know what he did do? Yeah. He knocked Jerome Luai out of the game. Oh, thank So, you. start of the game, Jerome Luai was – his left-hand side was doing really, really well. Set up a really good try, actually. Massive cutout ball. Yeah. Perfectly placed on Taylor May's chest. And which he, he shouldn't be off. there anyway, but anyway, that's – um, yeah, whatever. But then, you know, Jerome Luai, he's, <laughs> mate, when they start playing bad, he won't be able to run his mouth off and so bad. Because oh, he, man. He Doesn't does he not stop. And you know what? When they're winning, righto. But I wanted to see him do it when they're losing. No, I said, I think uh, it's worse when you're winning. He, if I've got a young, well, I've got a young boy. He doesn't, want, he doesn't understand footy enough yet. But if I've got a teenage kid or a, an older kid, like 8, 9, 10, I was like, watch how this guy plays. Don't pay any attention to him as a person after the plays. Yeah. Because yeah. he and is you know one what? of the worst sports. Well, like this is my this point. Gross. There was that, sorry, he, he was chirpy. He was running his mouth the entire game. And then, oh, sorry, for the first 20 or whatever it was. And then Jerome Lewis, oh, sorry, Kyle Flanagan, picked him up and dropped him, ended up as a drop ball. He got up all sheepish, bit rough around the edges. And then, you know, I'm like, you know what? Great hit. And Kyle Flanagan didn't say anything to him. 
Um, done a really good job and then backed away, played on the game. And then five minutes later, um, Kyle Flanagan put the kick in. Ball bounce. Jerome Luai tried yeah. to pick it up. And then it, he dropped it. And, and then for the rest of the game, you did not see Jerome Luai do fuck all. He didn't run his mouth. That left-hand side got things. So, yeah, it was, it was really good. And for me, that was the best thing because... All week you heard this criticism about Kyle Flanagan coming in, you know, feel good picking the team, whatever. And he was the most under pressure. And you know what? The last couple of years, he's probably the most un- under pressure halfback mm-hmm. because he gets screwed over wherever he goes um, and blamed for everything. And then this game, as Adam said, he took on Liam Martin. He changed the way Bulldogs attack. He was really, really in everyone's face. And he knocked out one of the biggest shit talkers in the com- in the competition to not do anything for the rest of the game. And it was just, it was just, it was like a perfect response. And I'm pretty sure we've said it. I think he's he's by far the best halfback in the Bulldogs roster. Oh, easily. Yeah, no and it, yeah, and and we've said it plenty of times. And no, and just not consider that the Bulldogs are anything like that. And I hope he can keep this up because he he's a good player. And I know I've got a soft spot for him because he's the first one to ever agree to come on this podcast. But I, I honestly don't believe half the criticism or even three quarters of the criticism for this bloke should be directed at him because he's done nothing wrong. Two years ago, he was the highest point scorer in the NRL. That's it's crazy. Just, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I have no time for players who run their mouth. I think it's worse when you've got talent and continue to do it. Because the first three tries that they scored, he had more to say to the opposition than he had to say to his teammates. I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. You've won well, the premiership. Congratulations. But you're not you're not you're not going to go down in time as an elite player well, of the game. So I just I honest I said it before I honestly believe Sean O'Sullivan would be a better option for them. Yeah, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to go that far because the combination he's got with Cleary works brilliantly. But I just you don't need that oh, shit in your okay, game. Okay, maybe maybe I can say that he, I think he's a better player. Yeah, you could say that. Sullivan. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. said enough of O'Sullivan to go there because I said like Lewis is a good player and all that. He's just got all that other shit in his game. Um, like. Yeah, he's not the only one. I'm just, I really well, saw it in what, this game, what I'm especially, concerned against, about, especially against a team that he knows. Well, what I'm concerned about is that he's not going to, like, his shit talking directly affects how he plays and the way he's pass selection and all that kind of stuff. Because, as I said, when someone got the better of him and dropped him on his ass, and then he made an error, which ended up in the opposition try. He went missing. And so when Panthers, and I don't know when because they're, they're so good right now, but if they start struggling and, you know, that elite pass goes over old mate's head, he just gets that wrong by, a, you know, 30 mm-hmm. centimetres, which, you know, shit happens in, in this level of sport. Will he start the shit talk still while he's losing or what he's going? And that will probably annoy me more that if they start losing, he's not, as chirpy as he was, that would probably annoy me more than bloody him, what he's doing now, to be honest. It'd make more sense. Um, We'll finish off with the Sharks 30 over the West Tigers 4. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. Like, this is... 
you look at this scoreline and you go 34. Oh man, Sharks must have played well. They really didn't. Like they, they played well enough, but they were clunky. They there were times where their timing was off. Um, but then there are other times where they were brilliant. But all that, like, it all came to a head to show just how shit the Tigers are. Because their their four points came from an intercept in the 79th minute to the guy who probably least deserved it on the field uh, in Ken Mamalo. Six tries the Sharks put on, and Nico Hines said, I've got to start kicking better. I'm like, yeah, you do. Um, because yeah, you do. the three that he missed were all almost exactly the same. And he, there was no there were no alterations or modifications made to the kick. And they all missed the same direction, the same angle by the same distance. Um, but anyway, he had a blinder outside of that. And Sione Katoa getting across for a double and was denied the first ever hat trick by a Sharks player against the West Tigers by Jesse Ramian not throwing out that last pass. And you could see Katoa going, ah, give it to me. But then he was also the first person to celebrate Ramian scoring. The, the outside backs of the Sharks are turning into just that perfect blend of size, yeah. speed, strength, finishing. We can't, talk, we can't spend too much time on Tigers or Talakai, Adam. Well, I was going to say, I wasn't even going to actually mention Talakai um, in the <laughs> outside backs with Mulatalo and Katawa being your wingers, one's a fit. Well, they're both finishers, but in their own ways. Then you got Ramian as a center. And who was there? Who is their other starting center? <laughs> no, Real I mean, like their, their regular, their regular. Starting oh, center. it was Connor was Tracy. It, it was start. Connor Tracy. That's right. Let's not talk about him. Uh, Talakai, freaking awesome, as always. Uh, and then you got Kennedy at the back, just safe under the high ball, chimes in. And he, Moylan and Hines together are looking better and better every week. Yes. So I actually thought, actually thought that um, who's that other six? Who was that other half they had? I can't remember his name. Shows where he is. But Will Kennedy kind of reminds me of what Adam, but I'm liking what Adam Clune's doing for Newcastle because it's just slightly different. Adam Clune's the first receiver at a um, well, Kennedy's like the third or fourth. But what he's doing is you see a lot of fullbacks in the comp get the ball and they try and step and jazz and that kind of stuff. Every time this bloke touches the ball off a sweeping play, he is at full pace. Yeah. No matter what. And it looks so damn good because they're so well drilled that when Nico Hines or Moylan pass the ball to Will Kennedy, they don't even look. They just know he's going to be there. And the pool is right out at front. He's at full pace, which makes the defense overthink stuff. And it just and they, they do it very slowly. Then he just goes bang. And the defense is, is not ready for that change of pace in their attack. When, and it looks amazing. When, looks he says so that, when he says at full pace, he then gets it and actually gets faster. Like his yeah. when he's saying at full pace, he's at high speed but then he can actually then go faster, which is crazy to watch because like Jared said, when he well, gets it, he's been shot out of a cannon to get the ball to start with. Like he is like a oh, Braden Trindle. That's who you're thinking about. Yeah. But see, the thing about it is that you've got in the competition, you know, you've got your players like Latrell Mitchell, James Tedesco, Tom Trevojevic, 
who are just absolute monsters. But on the other hand, you've got the Caleb Pongies, you've got the Matt Dufties, you've got Will Kennedy. Um, you know, they've got this smaller build fullback, but Will Kennedy is probably doing it better than the rest of them in that smaller build category in the fact that he knows that if he just tries as his only thing like Ponga is currently doing is trying to step through people, nine times out of work. 10, it's not going to work. Yeah, He gets the ball at pace and goes, motherfuckers, if you let me on the outside of you, I'm gone. Yeah. And that, and that, and because he knows he can't do what Tedesco, Travojevic, Mitchell does and run over people. Um, he, they, that, those guys can get the ball from a standing start and still run over people. If, Will Kennedy gets it from a standing start. He's going to get pushed out the sideline nine times out of ten. Same with Ponga, same with Dufty. So he's just, Fitzgibbons has gone to him, hey, if you don't get that ball at full face, our attack's gone to shit. And so every single time, he's just sprinting his ass off to get go. the ball. And it's so good. Manic Ivalu is the other one I was thinking about, not um, yeah. Tracy. So anyway, that'll bring us to the end of our round five wrap. Holy shit, uh, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah, I know. Like, we did do a fair bit of talking before the pod, but maybe it's just we were excited to be back and all that sort of stuff. So, have a look at the ladder after five rounds. First time we've done a ladder update, I think. You've got Penrith at top, uh, 5 and 0, 10 points. Then you've got Sharks, Storm, Eels, all at 4 and 1, 8 points. Roosters, Seagulls, Warriors, 3 and 2 at 6 points. Then your big group in here. So, from 8th through to 13th. Two wins, three losses. Cowboys, Rabbits, Titans, Knights, Broncos, Raiders, Dragons and Bulldogs, two points, one win, four losses. And Tigers, zero wins, zero points, five losses. And coming up against Parramatta next week. So good luck to you, Tigers fans. Uh, Bulldogs have got Rabbitohs next week. That'll do us. Um, Glad to be back, Jared. Yeah. Yeah, I'm freaking yeah, tired. Bed, yeah, I'm. I've got said I'd stay up till hopefully the wife and little girl get back from hospital. But we'll um, we'll see how we go. We got the little fella asleep upstairs, so I might try and catch some Z's as well. All right, we'll talk to you see guys Wednesday night. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday morning. morning. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.